Hello, and welcome to Follow the Woo podcast, where each week I, Fenelon Kush, will guide you on a journey into the land of the woo. We're going to investigate witchcraft, meditations, the paranormal and supernatural, alien and fey encounters, gurus, shamanism, and, and, and all the woo. So hold on to your butt. This just might be the weirdest part of your day. Hello, my little humans. I hope you're doing well. We're about two-ish weeks out from Mercury and retrograde, so woohoo! I don't know what y'all are feeling, but to me, it feels like there's a lot of transition energy going on right now. It feels like I'm getting ready to be ready, if that makes sense. I don't know if any of you listen to some of that manifestation rhetoric, I'll say, like Abraham or Joseph Murphy, or, or, or there's like a ton, but that's a term that I know Esther Hicks uses, getting ready to be ready. And I don't know, it just feels like this year is less about making things click and sending things out. It's more about getting prepared, getting like all the ducks in a row, getting rid of anything that doesn't need to be on the drawing board kind of shit. So strangely enough, my guest today, Sandy Byrne, who was on the podcast last week. So this is part two of my interview with Sandy. She gave me a mini reading, which you will hear in the beginning of this episode, which is about 13 and 14 minutes long. You can skip it if you want, but I wanted to share it with you because I think it was really cool to hear how accurate she was in a lot of areas, especially with my karmic agreements in this lifetime. And it's really fascinating. I, I got to save my pennies, like I said before, to, to get a longer reading with her. And I absolutely recommend that you do so too, if it feels right. She's wonderful. But yeah, she talks about that a little bit too, this idea that I'm not meant to like launch anything spectacular this year. I'm supposed to heal up, get rid of stupid shit. In my case, I interpreted that as like all of the gajillion jobs that I have. I need to get rid of some of them, focus on the ones that are the most important, cultivate deeper relationships with your friends, with your wife, really like get into the juicy bits of it because you're going to need that support. You're going to need that clarity to get through when the launching happens. And that has felt true to me even before she said it. There's also a new moon in Virgo coming in hot on August 27th. So this Saturday, I believe. Yeah, this Saturday. I think it's going to be an interesting one. I like Virgo season, but it can be a little agitating for me sometimes. And I think there's some aggression that comes with Virgo. A lot of times you don't think about aggression with Virgo, but it's usually just under the surface. So I don't know. Just keep that in mind this weekend. Like if you're feeling really agitated or like you've got to take action, maybe don't drink this weekend. You know, if, you, if you're generally somebody who drinks on the weekend, maybe get high instead. I obviously do not, I don't promote drug usage, but I don't really think that weed is a problem. So yeah, I'm just kind of rambling here, but some stuff that makes you more chill. 
you know, lean into that this weekend. Don't do any mud wrestling or jello wrestling or don't make any big decisions about employees you have or a boss that you have. You are going to have like a crucial conversation. Maybe wait till next week. You know, let the weekend pass. Let's get through this new moon. I'm going to be hanging out with some new witches that I just met on the night of the new moon. Actually, I think it's the night before, and that'll be fun. I've been shopping around Louisville looking for covens, and there's so many here. It's unbelievable. And if you know where to look, you you can find them. I'm really excited to start working with this coven, and and we'll see how it goes. You know, it's a pre-initiation kind of thing, and that's pretty much all I can say about it. But I'm excited to be with fellow witches during the new moon. And it's just going to be really nice to have that connection again. So for those of you who are witches out there, you know how much that can amplify your magic, especially if you're an extrovert. But I think it works for everyone. Okay, back to Sandy. She is an incredible psychic medium. And just in case you didn't hear last episode, you should probably listen to that before you listen to this, just so you kind of have like an understanding of what the beginning of the conversation was like. Now, I'm going to read a tiny bit of her bio, just so you have an idea of how she describes herself. Coming from Ireland, regarded as the enchanted island of the mystical and magical, I am descended from generations of psychics and mediums and have been communicating with spirits since before I can remember. People seek me out for the accuracy of my readings, but also to help them develop their own ability to connect with spirit and how to deal with their children who show signs of spirit connection from a young age. I have a no-nonsense and logical approach to everything spiritual. So that's just a recap on Sandy. Like I said, the first 13 minutes of this is a little reading for me. It gives you an idea of what would happen if you got a psychic reading from her. She's going to pull from numerology and some other divination tools to sort of see the clear picture of your life for the next three-ish years. You know, this is obviously 13 minutes. It's not going to be three years, but it is still quite substantial. Now, if you were to get the mediumship reading, that would be a little bit different because she'd be connecting with your ancestors, essentially, those who have passed on to the spirit world or wherever they're hanging out right now. So in part two, beyond that little baby reading, we also talk about fairies a lot about fairy forts, more Irish woo, like specifically her experience with the Banshee and her family's experience with the Banshee, which is fascinating. We also talk about where Halloween came from and how it started and how pumpkins weren't really in the mix until Americans came along and decided they were cuter than the traditional turnips. And we talk about reincarnation and connecting with your ancestors and more that I'm not thinking of right now. So You know the drill. You take both hands and you put them on your butt cheeks and you squeeze real tight. That's right. You hold on to your butt because it's going to be a great hour of woo for you. Okay. Enjoy part two with Sandy Byrne. So we talked a little bit about doing a a baby reading for me just so I could kind of see and so the listeners could kind of see how it starts off. Obviously, I absolutely respect your time. I don't want to take too much of it to do this, but you know, just to get a little dip your toes in the water, would you be interested in doing that? A hundred percent. Um I actually had to look at your numerology before I came online. So okay, great. A bit of work done for you. <laughs> Have you ever looked at numerology before? Yeah, different systems, but I, I don't, I think there's like a couple different kinds of systems, right? So I don't know which one I looked at. 
So numerology has been used for more than 2000 years. It was invented by Pythagoras. I'm sure we learn about Pythagoras in school here in Ireland. I'm sure you learn about him in the States too. Mm -hmm. So he invented numerology. He's the godfather of numerology. Every other version of numerology comes from his numerology. People take it, they change one or two things and they call it their own. I'm considered a numerology Puritan in that I love Pythagorean numerology. Okay. One of the things that I looked at for the the era that you're in in your life at the moment, you know, this is a time where you're supposed to travel great distances and meet so many interesting people. Okay. So bear in mind that Pythagoras wrote this 2000 years ago and you would have had to travel to meet people. He never envisaged the internet, but look at how far you're reaching and all the interesting people you're meeting, you know, and this is the perfect time. This is, you know, the current age you're at, the current era that you're at in your life, your ability. I've written down here, I've made some notes for you that your ability with words is hugely increased over the last couple of years. And you're more able to make yourself known And you're more able to promote yourself now than you ever were in your life before. Okay, so Mm. this is a confidence that's growing in you at the moment. You're at a really exciting time in life because you're in what we call a nine year. Mm. So life goes in cycles of nine. So we go one year, two year, three year, four year, all the way up to nine year. Now, not everybody's on the same number all the time, but you are. You're in a nine year this year. So everything that you've been doing over the last eight years, this is the year where you finish all of that. You're ready to move on to a new era of life. Yes. Yes. (laughs) You can tie up all the loose ends. You will start to feel extremely restless from October of this year. That's when the energy of your one year will kick in. So October for you would be a a one month. So one month in a nine year would be hugely restless. This is when you're going to you're going to be like, I want to move house. I want to change jobs. I want to change care. I want to do this. I want to do that. This is when you're you're just going to think everything in life is wrong. Okay, Mm -hmm. and I'm going to tell you to resist the urge to make any changes for at least six months, because when you make decisions based on emotion, long term, they might not be the best decisions for you. So I say to people when they're feeling emotional about something, sit back for two or three months and see if you still feel the same, then it would be the right decision. Okay, but making any changes anytime, especially between October and December of this year, won't work out for you long term. Also excitingly, you're in a seven month at the moment. So anything seven is spiritual. Okay, so this even though I know you follow the woo all the time. But if you were thinking of trying something different or maybe taking, you know, because, you know, as mediums and psychics, we still take courses, we still sit in circles, we still do lots of stuff. This is a great month for you to explore. And I can't say why. Sometimes things just come out of your mouth. You know this. I want to tell you to investigate your healing abilities more. Mm. Is this something that's ever crossed your mind? I have had... A few psychics tell me that I am a healer, but that I don't do hands-on healing. I do healing. Well, I don't do it online. I, I used to do it a lot when I used to see people in person, but I do what's called trans healing. So I don't actually heal. I have a spirit guide called Francois. He was a doctor in 16th century France. who was actually burned for his beliefs. He was considered a witch. Basically, it's like, I, I always refer back to the, the film Ghost with Patrick Swayze. Mm-hmm. Remember when he went into her body in order to dance with Demi Moore's character? So it's like that. So Francois actually comes into my body and he does the healing. But I only have to put my hand either on someone's shoulder or on someone's head to connect the energies. Mm. The energy will find where it needs to be in somebody's body. It doesn't have to be an invasive touch. Mm. Okay. So he does the healing. He just uses my energy. So this might be something, I think it's, it's a great way to, when you're not confident about yourself, 
yeah. to let your spirit guides take over and let them use the energy. But yeah, I feel that there's great healing in you. I honestly have to say that this could be something that you might go on to, you know, we're talking about starting a new era next year, one mm-hmm. year, you know, this could be something that you could look at, look at the possibilities for yourself on the spiritual side. You know, one thing that I love and if it's okay with you, I want to talk about the karmic lessons that you've brought into this life with you. Do you believe in karma? Oh, yes, girl. But this is going to be a doozy, huh? <laughs> it's not. No, you're too hard on yourself. You're too hard. You know, really the karmic lessons and like there's a whole list of them. And each time we live a lifetime, we cross things off this list. OK, so what you have set yourself out for in this lifetime is your life direction. It's something that you find very difficult You can't stick to something. You're like, okay, well, I'll try this one. I'll try that one. I'll try the other one. But one of the things that your soul set out for you when you entered this lifetime was to pin down a direction within this life. Look for answers, but you're not afraid of change. Don't get me wrong. But when you make a change in life, if it doesn't immediately bring around the excitement that you've been looking for, you drop it like a hot Mm. potato. I want to say you need to stick with something a a little bit longer. I make you sound like an earhead. I don't mean to. No, no. But is this making sense to you? Yeah. My best friend just told me this a few few months ago. He was was like, you really want me to tell you what I think? And I said, yeah. And he said, you got to stick with something. Yeah. You know, but in a good way. I mean, it's nice to try out a lot of things, but you're in an era in your life where you need to choose something and be good at it, you know? Do yourself proud. I'm going to say you also entered this life with a major commitment issue. I know you have a wife. I know you're committed. (laughs) But you don't show people what you feel. Even though you build relationships with people, you're so guarded. Mm -hmm. Never let that defense down. So you need to learn the importance of close friends and lasting relationships. Mm. And there's only three. The other karmic lesson that you have I'm going to call it stubbornness. You don't like to be told how to do things and you have a problem with authority. Does that sound familiar? Yes. I can imagine all your family nodding their head. (laughs) (laughs) It's not necessarily a bad thing. You like to be yourself. okay? but know your limitations. And sometimes people only reach out to you because they're worried about you. okay? so they're not trying to tell you what to do. Other thing about you and it comes up in your life number as well, you actually have the potential to attract an awful lot of money in your lifetime, but it will slip through your fingers just as fast as it comes to you if you're not careful. So you need to be really, really careful with the financial decisions that you make. That comes up also in your life path number. So your life path number would, uh, Pythagoras would have said, this is the most important number in your life. I've jumped now from the karmic lessons to your life path number, which ironically is also neat. That last karmic lesson that I spoke to you about was an eight karmic lesson. But your life path number is about you, your personality, but mostly the major lessons that you have to learn from this lifetime. And one of the main things is about money and wealth with you. And Mm -hmm. I'm not trying to say that, you know, I'm not trying to say at all that you're, you know, materialistic. It's not about that. It's about holding on to what you've worked for. Mm. And this is a really strong message for you. Okay. You have a natural leadership. You have great business skills. You're great at promoting yourself and what you do. And it will attract a lot of money. You need to understand the real value of money before it slips through your fingers. Yeah, that's a big one. You're a great (laughs) judge of character, though. You are a judge of character and you attract the right people to you. Let their energy sink into your energy. 
Okay, you can learn a lot from the people that are, and I'm not saying the ones that you invite into your life, you know, the ones that you contact, the people that are naturally attracted to you, they're there for a reason. It's almost like your energy pulls them to you because they have something to teach you. And you can learn a lot about yourself by the people that you attract into your life. I mean, I could go on with this all day, (laughs) but there's so much. Normally when I'm doing a psychic reading for somebody, I just use the numerology for a forecast. You know, as well as the tarot card reading, I will give them a month by month forecast of what's coming up in their life for the next three years, you know, to give them plenty of information to keep them going. But if you're to do like a full numerology report, it's like a hundred pages of like all this information. I don't want to bore you with today, but I just thought it was very interesting when I did look at this in preparation of our meeting that your personal year is a nine year. So as I said to you earlier, it's about finishing up everything that you've started over the last eight years. You're not going to carry any of this energy from the nine year, which is 2022 into the one year, 2023. So on a material level, give away or sell anything you don't need anymore. Use the money either to pay off debts or, you know, donate some to charity. But on a spiritual level, and this is really important, this year is the time to turn your attention to others. Give your time and your energy to worthwhile causes because this is going to strengthen you in ways that you can't imagine. It's through this that I feel the healing will come out through you. Okay, I'm not telling you to go and book a course somewhere and learn how to be a healer. I'm saying follow your intuition. You will be drawn to people that need your energy and you will heal them. Even just by being in your company or listening to you talk, but you have a healing energy around you. And this year is where you should start using it. It's so important. Next year is the year to think about changes in life, but definitely not in 2022. 2022 has been a powerful year for everybody because on a numerology level, you've got three twos, which you add them up. It's a six. It's a family year. It's a year for building bridges with people that you maybe you've fallen out with or you've gone distant from. It's about getting all your eggs back into that basket, making all those connections. It's not a year for big change. And I think a lot of people will have seen already by this point of the year that for 2022, things that were meant to be or meant to leave us will either have come into our lives or left our lives in January or February of this year. The amount of people that I've met that have taught me my relationship ended in January or February, or I met the love of my life in January or February. January or February were so powerful for romantic relationships. The rest of the year is to, you know, work on your relationship with your family, your close friends, children, you know, whomever you have around you. This is the best year for building up those relationships. And that includes you, Finn. (laughs) Yes, ma'am. Wow, that's a lot to think about. And that was just a baby reading. Jeez. It's just a baby reading. I mean, I have literally pages and stuff here, but I said, oh my God, I can't tell her all that on air, but I'll send it to you afterwards and you can have a look at it. I'd love that. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to do that. And there's a lot of stuff in there that was really, I had heard similar things before, but then also a lot of stuff that I haven't heard. And the timing for all of it is really curious as well. Yeah. So that's great. You'll notice Trust me, from October, you'll start to get the itchy feet. Okay, but resist it until next year. She already has them. I can see. She's got the itchy feet already. I love it. Let's pivot to the Irish woo. We talked a little bit about this in the pre-call. Let's just get into fairies. And, you know, I know you mentioned fairy forts. Tell me about this from, from your perspective. 
So we know that Ireland thinks, you know, we've got fairies, we've got uh, ghosts, we've got leprechauns. <laughs> you know, we, we're, we're very superstitious about all of these things. So there's two things that people often get mixed up with them. There's fairy forts and then there's ring forts. OK, all very superstitious. So a ring fort would have been something that was human built. OK, so if you go back, like way back thousands of years ago, farmers built little forts and they kept all their animals inside this fort to protect them from wild beasts and all that kind of stuff. And when they were abandoned, eventually they were taken over by fairies. But real actual fairy forts, they're like patches of trees or vegetation, okay? And the fairy forts are supposed to be the threshold to the fairy world, okay? Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's considered extremely bad luck to mess with them. You're not supposed to cut them. You're not supposed to enter them. You're not supposed to do anything with them. Okay. You're supposed to just leave them be. So anybody that's ever traveled to Ireland will see that they're, you know, all over the place. They'll say, you know, in the middle, like there's a field down the road, actually where I live is not far from where my grandparents' cottage was. And there's a field um, just across from their old cottage. We've always called it the 40-acre field, right? Because the field is 40 acres. And right by <laughs> smack in the middle of this field, is a fairy fort. You can see the crops growing and being cut and nothing ever touches the fairy fort. There's another one in the field at the back of my house here. And he cuts this field for silage, you know, three or four times a year. But this one area where there's um, shrubbery and a tree, he will not touch because of the bad luck. And just to give you an idea of how far Irish people will go just to get away from this bad luck, it's not unheard of for motorways to be rerouted just because of a fairy fort. So that's the expense that people will go to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's so many creepy tales, okay, of farmers maybe that have, you know, plowed through fairy forts, whatever, in the past. And, you know, if that happens, they've come out and maybe find their cattle dead or their sheep dead or whatever. There's even stories of farmers that have died themselves, you know, in the days after cutting down a fairy fort. Do you remember the film Back to the Future? Yeah. Where they go back to, back in time in this car. Yeah. That particular car is called a DeLorean. You've probably heard of them. Uh -huh. They were made in Ireland, those cars. <laughs> they were made in Belfast. Yeah. And of course, they became really popular and they were used in the movie and everything. So when they became really popular, they wanted to build a new factory, a much bigger factory, you know, produce more cars. So in order to expand the factory, they tore up a fairy fort. <gasps> and immediately, we all know what happened to DeLorean. <laughs> Nobody drives DeLoreans, do they? No. <laughs> the whole company went through the floor just because they tore up a fairy fort in order to extend the factory. Mm -hmm. Wow. <laughs> so there, it's considered really bad luck to tear up a fairy fort. My grandfather's mother got married. She went to live in the countryside, obviously, with her husband and his family, whatever. They lived on a farm. Trying to be the dutiful new wife, she decided she was going to go out and help them cut the hay. So while the men were going around collecting, you know, the big lumps of it, she went out with a nascent cart in the evening to pick up all the bits that were left, you know, on the edge of the field. But she didn't realize that there was a fairy fort in this field. And if you get trapped in a fairy fort after dusk, you're trapped in there for the night. You can't get out. 
they literally hold you captive in there for the whole night. So she ended up sleeping in the cart on the hay because every time she went to where she thought the gate was, they moved the gate. The fairies moved the gate. So they kept her trapped in there so she couldn't get out until after dawn the following morning. And she never went into that field again. I bet. (laughs) People think that, talk about the fairies, you know, they can be tricksters, but they can also, you know, if if you touch what's theirs and ruin it, there can be consequences. I was talking to my husband about this ages ago because he's from an Irish family, but he was born and raised in London. So I dragged him. I I keep telling him I imported him back here and I can deport him if he doesn't behave. But he couldn't believe the amount of superstition here in Ireland. He's an electrician by trade. He doesn't work as an electrician anymore. But when he came back to Ireland first, he was working as an electrician for a while. And there was a new project, a new uh, motorway that was being built. And one of the engineers, and he was only a young man in his late 30s, and he had a young family. And he absolutely did not want to reroute this motorway for a fairy fort. He thought it was a whole load of superstition. And he instructed that they go ahead and plow up the road. Mm. And he died in his sleep that night. No, he didn't. He did. And the following day, the engineers came in and drew up new plans to reroute the motorway. Oh, my God. Yeah, Yeah, you definitely cannot mess with the fairies. Yeah. I have so many questions from this, but one is, uh, do you specifically work with fairies? Do they ever come in to your readings or anything? No, that's not who you're connected with. No. I definitely, and I'd have to say that to people, I'm not an expert on fairies. I can only tell, you know, what's been handed down through years, but I know there's people that have researched it and everything. Uh, no, I wouldn't be an expert on it, but I would be very superstitious. I wouldn't cross them. Mm. <laughs> it just wouldn't pay to cross them. Yeah. I had a fairy expert and, and I'm saying in quotes, uh-huh. because how can anybody yes. be an expert? Yeah. But there's as, no qualification, as, right? Yeah. yeah. She wouldn't call herself that, but she's just incredibly knowledgeable on the topic. And she had done so much research all over the world of people disappearing and then showing up yeah. and thinking that years had gone by or minutes had gone by, but everybody else thought it was years. And they're true newspaper article. I mean, it, real stories yeah. that, that people have experienced. Yeah. So the time is this recurring theme that the time changes and the consequences for not listening to their rules. They seem to be very yes. interested in rules. And also that what you said about the gate continuing to move every time move. she tried to exit. Yeah. There's a farm that we're investigating right now. And we think there's fairies there because- wow. Anytime one of the brothers, he's the only one who's brave enough to go out into the field. He will, he doesn't do it anymore. He's scared shitless now, but he would go out into the field and hike because he would, he would hunt. And every time he did it, he would get lost. He, it was like, he would get turned around and turned around and turned around. And he's grown up on huge properties his whole life. He has a great sense of direction. Mm-hmm. And he, he's like, something's not right in that area. Yeah. And then they also have these trees that just so weirdly grow in a circle on their property. That's a fairy fort. Yeah. And I was like, maybe we shouldn't fuck with that. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not. And you know, follow the lead of the animals. Because as I say, there's one in the field at the back of my house and the hunt would often come through here. Now, I'm not a big fan of the hunt, but it is what it is. So they were like all these horses and these hounds and they were chasing a poor little red fox. And I was upstairs and I looked out the window and the fox ran into the fairy fort 
and the dogs wouldn't go in. The dogs and the horses all stopped, bang, right at the edge of the fairy mm-hmm. fort and they wouldn't go in. So the fox knew he was safe there. They know. Yeah, they know. 100%. Yeah. <laughs> and well, what's interesting about this farm too, you, you mentioned the consequences. They're having their pigs. I mean, we're talking big hogs. Like, yes, are just completely disappearing, gone. Wow. And they have no neighbors. They have the fences that they have around these pigs. There's no way you could get through them. They have huge locks on them and they'll just, they'll go in and the pigs are gone. And then their uh, sheep keep getting, you know, every once in a while sheep die because there's so many. And so they bury them and they're these couple that they named after some Irish goddesses. And every time they buried those sheep, they got dug up. They've been exhumed. The bodies have been exhumed over and over and over again. And there's, again, there's no, they have sheep dogs. There's no one that could get in there that makes any sense. And so they're really trying to figure out if they're not doing the right things with these fairies that obviously co-own their property. (laughs) Yeah. And is it just that field where the fairy fort is in that one field? No, it's the whole property. The whole property is very unusual. We actually went out and and investigated it and I was utterly fascinated. I mean, it, it just felt very unusual. Well, they haven't knocked down the fairy fort, have they? No. They haven't. And we told them not to mess with it. You know, I'm not a fairy expert either. I just know you don't fuck with them. (laughs) Yeah, 100%. Definitely would not. Look, I suppose I'm, I'm not qualified, if you like, to give them advice on that. But I would say, you know, if they are respecting the fairy fort, I don't know why this would continue to happen. I don't either. I'm not sure. I don't know the whole story. So I don't know what happened before. We're we're trying to do sort of an ongoing investigation of it. You definitely mm-hmm. don't want to bring that bad energy home with you. No, for sure. In your work, you strictly work with spirits who were in human body. You don't, there's no angels, no aliens, no fairies, nothing like that. No, I, I stick to what I know. <laughs> I don't invite <laughs> anything else in. I, I just feel like I don't want to be a jack of all trades and master of none. Um, you know, I, I, I just feel this is where I somehow ended up. This is where my energy fell. I'm happy with it. You know, I have a huge interest in aliens and, you know, everything else. And, you know, I, I'd be on YouTube half the night watching all these things. And especially what you were talking about there about, you know, people that are turning up years later and they've no memories. I love all those stories. Yeah. Of kids that remember their past life. I love it. But um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm quite happy where I am for the time being anyway. I'll just stick with the fortune telling, as, as my grandmother would have called it, and <laughs> the <laughs> the talking to dead people. So, I mean, like, that's no big deal. <laughs> that's awesome. No. We also have who's considered maybe the mother of fairies, um, the Banshee. That's what I was getting at. Um, yep. I don't know if you've heard of, of the Banshee. So it comes from Irish Banshee or Banshida. I, I even have trouble pronouncing that myself. Uh, Banshida. So it means fairy woman or she fairy. Okay. So she is considered to be you know one of the fairies. She comes to announce death. So generally, if you hear her, someone in the family is going to die. 
mm. or someone has just died. So she's also come to announce, say, you know, a lot of Irish people have a family that live in the UK or the States or wherever. So sometimes, you know, people would die and you don't hear about it immediately. So she might let you know that someone has already passed either. And, you know, different people describe her in different ways. You know, some say always the long hair. Some say that she's long dark hair and she's, you know, crying. Others say she has long red hair, all dressed in white, but generally combing her hair and crying at the same time. Mm. Some people hear her, some people see her. It's always about a death when she's around. Now, she follows people with O or Mac in their name, okay? But every Irish person is an O or a Mac. Yeah. You know, like my, fam- <laughs> my family are O'Brien, for example, okay? So, so I've heard the Banshee. But everybody in Ireland was O or Mac. That was the way we were named because O and Mac, it's actually Mick in, in uh, Irish. It means son of and O means son of also. So when you say someone's O'Brien, they're the son of Brian, you know, um, mm-hmm. O'Byrne, the son of Byrne and stuff like that. So everybody in Ireland had an O in their name, but we weren't allowed to use those names when we were ruled by the British. We weren't allowed to use our Irish names. So that's when a lot of people would have dropped the O from the name. So technically, she could follow anybody that would be Irish. But there's also a Scottish version and a Welsh version of the Banshee. I think in Scotland, they call her the washerwoman or the washer lady. Mm. And she's seen washing bloody clothes. Okay. Either bloody clothes or in past times, bloody armor. So maybe if someone was going to be killed in a war or a battle, she would be seen with armor. Someone was going to die. She'd be seen washing bloody clothes. So like, I suppose Irish, Scottish and Welsh were all Celts. Okay. So I suppose we all have the same kind of history and beliefs, you know, very um, intertwined. She's very, very intertwined in Irish I don't want to call it legend because I I have a firm belief in her and I, I believe that she's really real. But I suppose all the woo comes from Ireland, but a lot of the woo, you know, Halloween is an Irish festival. Yes. I'm sure you've talked about that in the past. So like all of this kind of stuff, this, you know, other world stuff and the idea of, you know, spirits coming to take away our children. That's where Halloween came from you know, dressing up the children to disguise them. Uh, you've probably had someone on the show talking about this before, have you? Are you Not specifically <laughs> this, though. Yeah, could, could go ahead, tell, because I don't know if the listeners have heard this. Okay, so Halloween came from, it's an old festival. It was a harvest festival. But back in the day, the men and the boys would go up the mountains to graze the, the animals, you know, in the summertime. And then they'd bring them back down to the village, you know, coming into the winter. And they'd also uh, would harvest all the crops around the same time. So when the men were returning to the village, the women would light fires along the road to welcome them home. Hence the bonfires for Halloween. Mm-hmm. And it was always said that the 1st of November, I suppose, even though technically Halloween is a pagan festival, but the 1st of November in Christianity is All Souls Day. And it was always said that that night crossing over from the 31st of October into the 1st of November was a time where spirits roamed the earth. The legend had it that they would come and steal the children. So what people used to do in the old days was they used to disguise the children. They used to dress them up (laughs) so that they wouldn't be recognized by the ghosts. And of course, they lit all kinds of lanterns and stuff so that the place wouldn't be dark. In Ireland, actually, we never used pumpkins. Pumpkin is the American addition to the festival. So thank you for that. <laughs> uh, we always we always carved out turnips. That's what Irish people carved out. So yeah, if you if you Google it, I'm sure you'll find some pictures on the internet. It looks really terrifying, <laughs> carved out turnip. <laughs> I'm going to do it this year. <laughs> 
Absolutely, yeah. A uh, carved out turnip with a candle in it, you know, to light up and to scare away. So all this dressing up and, you know, the, the carved out turnips and all, they were to scare away anybody that would be coming to steal their children. And so this is where the idea of Halloween and all the traditions of Halloween came from. It was basically a pagan harvest festival. And, you know, obviously the eating all the nuts, the berries, everything that was harvested and brought in. Um, it was a, a, a time of plenty, if you like. But people mm-hmm. had, you know, a lot to eat, whereas they wouldn't have kind of in the middle of the winter. So um, it was a time of celebration, but also a, a very spiritual time. And of course, you know, as Irish people left Ireland, you know, especially during I'm loath to say the word famine because I we didn't have a famine, but people call it the famine, especially in those years. A lot of Irish people left and they brought their traditions over mostly to, you know, the States and other countries. Um, so it started over there. Um, somehow carving turnips became carving pumpkins. <laughs> and, yeah. And eating Reese's peanut butter cups. <laughs> oh, is that, what, is that another Halloween tradition? Well, just that it's now candy. You know, that it's all the candy. Yeah. Berries anymore. Yeah. No nuts and berries. That would be, no, all the kids (laughs) would be very disappointed if it was nuts and berries. I know because my, my boys, when they were growing up, when they were small, I used to let them have their sweets on Halloween. But one of my friends, she always dressed up as a switch witch. So when her kids came home with candy, she used to swap it for apples and oranges. And stuff. <laughs> <laughs> my kids thought she was the meanest woman ever. <laughs> That's my kind of lady. So do you feel that that you get more activity on Samhain or Halloween? No. No. I believe that people will get more um, on Halloween because they're told that they will. Mm -hmm. So if I said to you that you're going to see a spirit tonight, you'd be up all night looking around you until you saw (laughs) a spirit. Right. And that's exactly what happens at Halloween. So everybody tells you that the spirits are out. You're going to see a spirit tonight. So you look for it and you see it. But it can happen at any time of the year. It doesn't have to be particularly on the 31st of October. Yeah. You know, it's just that our senses are more heightened and more awake because we're told that we're going to see it and that we're go- we can experience it. But that can happen at any time of the year. They're around us all the time and they don't want to steal your children, I promise. <laughs> <laughs> Good to know. What about the full moon? Do you experience anything more heightened around that time? The reason I ask, I used to work as a CNA, a certified nursing assistant, and we used to have all these patients, you know, in a long hallway and every full moon, we would for- we would even forget, like I wasn't as tuned into nature at that time we would check and we'd be like oh shit it's a full moon again we would get call bells and people would have you know they would have tantrums or everybody would be like having a bout of some kind of injury or I don't know like they would just kind of go crazy do you experience anything like that in your work I have to say no. And it's not that I'm skeptical about it at all. I, I totally believe and you know, I, I normally know when there is a full moon. I wouldn't even say that I'm great to put my crystals out. You know, the way you're supposed to put your crystals out when there's a full moon for cleansing and all. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't even say that I'm great to do any of that. The only thing that you're likely to see with me when there's a full moon is a headache. <laughs> I tend to get a headache whenever there's a full moon. Me too. And my phone never stops ringing for some reason. When there's a full moon, I don't know why it just draws people to look for readings, they're looking for something. So, you know, generally when I find that my phone has gone really busy, then I'll check the calendar to see if there's a full moon, Mm -hmm. you know. But as regards my work or anything, is there any particular difference to it? I would have to say no. No. You know, it doesn't make any difference to me. 
And back to the Banshee. Well, what was your experience with the Banshee? When yeah, you had that Whopper? Yeah. In that Whopper of a year, did she show up both times for you? No, actually, she didn't when I was young. But I always believe that you will only get what you'll be able to handle. And I think, you know, because that was the summer that I turned 15. So I was only 14 when my granddad had passed. I don't think I would have been able to handle the Banshee. Yeah. So therefore, I don't think that it was an experience that I was meant to have at that point in my life. But, you know, I did hear her over the, the last few years. And unfortunately, uh, you know, with my family, we've had a few people, we've lost a few people over the last few years. And I've heard her. Of course, people will tell me, you know, it's a fox or it's, you know, it's whatever. I have a firm belief that it's her. I'll tell you an interesting story, actually. Because I do get spirituality from both sides of my family. And my grandfather, O'Brien, his father, he used to be the person, like years ago in Ireland, we wouldn't have had undertakers in every village or whatever. And my grand, my great-grandfather was the guy in the village that people used to call on to lay out people, you know, for their burial. One night, he just couldn't sleep. And, I mean, he was O'Brien, so he had heard the banshee and seen the banshee before. But one night he couldn't sleep and he was up pacing the floor and he happened to look out the window and he saw the banshee leaving his neighbor's house. And he was like, I didn't even know he was sick. But anyway, he got dressed and he didn't have a car. He, he strapped his bag to the bag of implements or accoutrements, whatever he used, strapped it to the back of the bicycle and headed off towards, now I say the neighbor's house, but he was probably a couple of miles away. Okay. You could just see it kind of on the hill. And just as he was nearing the neighbor's house, he and the priest came against him in the car and he stopped and the priest said to him, oh, I was just coming to get, to get you. So and so died. And he said to him, did somebody else die? He thought that my grandfather, my great grandfather had been sent because somebody else died. And he goes, oh no, I'm, I'm heading to his house. He said, I saw the banshee leave. He said, I knew he was gone. And it just became the thing that he he just happened to know when people were going to die. And he was there as soon as they were gone to set out the body. And that's just how his business started, I suppose. He went down from there. So yeah. you hear the band, you've heard the Banshee, but you haven't I've seen heard her. her. I haven't seen her. No. I and suppose I'm not a pure blood. I'm not a pure O'Brien. I'm married now. <laughs> <laughs> she she sounds like what? Is it a scream or like a like the wailing woman kind of thing? It's we call it a keening, you know, like when someone mm. is crying. Have you ever seen like a you know a mother's if you like crying for a child like they're bent over and there's a real wailing that comes out it's that kind of a wail but it's it's piercing it's so loud and literally my house is two stories so like when I'm in bed and I'm you know upstairs it's literally like she's sitting on the windowsill and I can hear her that close wow. you know and I, I keep going to the window and looking out but I don't see her but you, you know, it's something different. You know, it's something that's completely, you know, out of the ordinary. And like, I'm just like, you know, something's going to happen. And, you know, then you can't sleep because you're waiting for something to happen. Right. Yes. Annoying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, I'm ticking off. Could it be this one? Could it be yeah. <laughs> okay. You have told me some amazing stories, but I like to ask my guests this question sure. at the end of the interview. Always, what is the weirdest paranormal, supernatural, woo experience you've ever had? I probably would have said the one in Germany where I was um, yeah, jogging. That was fucked yeah. up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I suppose just off the top of my head, I'd have to say this one kind of freaked me out too. I don't know what you call it paranormal, but I read for somebody. Okay. So I had a customer that came in and they got a reading and their dad was in spirit. And 
that night after reading for them, I had a dream that their dad came to visit me and he taught me all this stuff in the dream. And I was like, what do I do with this information? Because the reading is over. So I, I kind of rattled my brain and I just, you know, I thought, well, you know, people think I'm weird anyway, so I'm just going to ring this person. And I was like, okay, well, I'm sorry, but your dad came last night and taught me to tell you not to cancel your trip with your mother this weekend that you regret it if you do. And he was like, oh God, you know, I was supposed to take my mother shopping on Saturday, but he said, I've been asked to work. So I was going to cancel. And I said, look, I'm not going to make the decision for you. I said, but your dad told me last night to tell you not to cancel on your mother that you would regret it. And his dad, from memory, I think he was only like seven or eight months in spirit at this point. So he said, okay, well, I'll have a think about it. Thanks for letting me know. Anyway, he rang me back on Sunday evening. He didn't cancel on his mom. He took her shopping that Saturday. She was delighted. <laughs> he took her shopping. She passed in her sleep on Saturday night. Knew it. Oh, man. Her passed. Yeah. So his father was trying to tell him, and he said, you'll regret it. If he yeah. had canceled on her on Saturday and she passed on Saturday night, he would have regretted it forever. Forever. And he said to me, he said, I'll never be able to thank you because mm. he said, I wouldn't have been able to live it myself. Wow. So, okay, I, I might connect with dead people a lot, but you don't always get that kind of response or message, you know, that's going to be life changing for someone. And when you do, you're just like, wow. And I'm not saying it because I'm, I'm trying to say that I'm better than any other medium. Every medium is able to connect with spirit. But when when something like that happens, you feel I'm part of something that's so much bigger than I understand. Yeah. You know, there's so much happening, you know, that we'll never know until we cross over. But I'm not ready for that. Just <laughs> Yeah, no, not um, yet. We need you. No. <laughs> but the feeling of being part of something bigger, it just amazes me so much. Mm. Um, another time I had this lady that came to me several times. She lost her son to suicide. She had an appointment with me, but I was seeing somebody just before her. And in the middle of this reading, this guy kept coming in, annoying me. And the lady that I was reading for, she couldn't take it at all. OK, so an hour or so later, I had this lady in and her son started to come through and he started to tell me all this. And I said, not a minute. I literally turned. I looked at him. And I said, you were here. And I was having this conversation with the spirit. And she was just sitting there. And I said to her, I said, your son was here about an hour ago. I said, and, you know, all this information that I was giving her, he taught me this, and he taught me this, and he taught me this, whatever. And she started crying. She said, that's him. I said, do you know what? I said, he wouldn't take a hint. I said, he kept interrupting the reading that I was doing before you. <laughs> and she said to me. He was, I think he was only like 25 or 26 when he died. He was never on time for anything in his whole life. Okay. <laughs> so she had the reading booked with me. She went to visit his grave that morning and she told him that she would be, I can't remember the time now, say it was seven o'clock. She said, I'm seeing Sandy at seven o'clock. She said, don't be late. She said, don't let me down. <laughs> and he he came in because he wanted me to know that he was there early so I could tell his mother that he was there early. And it was his way of letting her know that he Aww. listened to her. Yeah. <laughs> so they're always listening. And like so many times it happens in readings. I remember being on stage once. A mother just came out and told me, my daughter is in the audience. She's the same name as you. And she's got a picture of her dog. I'm here, her mother, but she wants you to connect to her dog. <laughs> So I said, is there a Sandy in the audience with a picture of your dog? 
in your handbag. And this lady stood up and she says, is my dog here? And I said, no, but your mother is. And she's really pissed. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, if they had a sense of humor in life, they're going to have a sense of humor in death. And always remember that they will come through the way that you will recognize them. So if you have to really overthink a message from spirit, it's not right. It should make sense immediately. If you're somebody who miscarried a child or, you know, had a stillbirth or whatever, you know, you're going to think of that child as a baby for the rest of your life. So in 30 years time, if you go for a reading, you're not going to expect a 30 year old man to walk into the room. That happened to me before, Mm -hmm. you know, (laughs) so they're going to show up as a baby because that's how you remember them. Right. So spirit will come through. If they had a sense of humor, they're going to come through with a sense of humor. If they were sarcastic, they're going to be sarcastic. You know, if they were bad tempered, they're going to come through as bad tempered. I've often said to people, if I met this person on the street, I would not say hello because they're terrifying. <laughs> and they go, that's my aunt. That's her. <laughs> Got it. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, I could probably talk all night about different examples and experiences, but I hope that gives you some idea of kind of what goes on in my head. Oh my gosh, I could talk to you for 10 more hours, probably pretty easily. I mean, I'd have to go to the bathroom a couple times, but one last thing, if you don't mind. Of course. I'm having some issues staying connected with my spirit guides. And I don't know if that's completely accurate. I think I think that I'm not connected, but I'm sure they're there. I know I have grandmothers come and I feel like they come and go and and I don't know what would be your recommendation for more deeply connecting with them so that you know that they're there all the time so I mean you know that they're around you all the time okay you're just not perceiving their energy at the moment for some reason so there might be something else going on in your life if you're stressed about something if you're worried about something you know these are the times when it becomes more difficult to connect I would suggest that there's probably something going on in your energy. There's probably some confusion about stuff. And they're leaving you to work it out for yourself without having an influence, if that makes sense. Okay. So I would continue to talk to them. I definitely would. You may not sense them immediately, but they'll make themselves known in nice ways, you know, with a song on the radio or a picture that's moved or a feather or, you know, whatever is your sign. Okay. Tell them you need a sign. Now, when I say this to people, they they kind of turn around and they go to the spirits. Okay, I need a sign. And they wait for something to fall out of the sky. Okay. <laughs> Give them 48 hours to work it into your life. You know this, okay. <laughs> Give them time. My feeling on this is that because of something that's causing you some concern, maybe has your mind muddled up in some way, they're giving you time and space. They are understanding that sometimes you need this space. Mm-hmm. Okay. And they never want to influence the decision that you make. The decision has to be yours. It always has to be yours. Does that make sense? Yes, absolutely. But I want to be like, guys, tell me what to do. (laughs) Of course. But, you know, I want to just say, and I'm curious if you've experienced this with your clients, that actually, and this might be a shock to some of the listeners, but the more that I dive into the world, the more skeptical I get of it, which is so funny because you would think it would be the opposite. But because I'm getting so many different stories and anecdotes and so much research, it's like at the end of the day, it almost gets more confusing. And so I think a strange byproduct of doing this work is that I 
have lost some of that belief. And so sometimes I question, I'm like, do I really have grandmas here? Like, are they for real here? And maybe that's what Mm -hmm. you're getting at is they're like, yeah, we're here, but you need to kind of sort this out on your own. I think that's a separate thing. When you talk about, you know, that, you you know, you talk to so many people, everybody's got different experiences. Everyone's experience of life with or without spirit is completely different. And everyone has different takes on things. Okay. I don't like sushi. You might like sushi. Okay. Because we have different tastes. We also have different perceptions and different energies. So just because I experience one thing in one way doesn't mean that's it's the right way to do it or that's the way you should do it or that it's an experience you're going to have someday. Accept it as for the way my life is, but your experiences can be so different, you know, profound in their own ways, but they don't have to be the same. And you cannot, it's just not possible for you to experience everything in every way that everybody else does. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> I want to know it all. <laughs> you can know it all 100%, but it's not possible for you to experience it in different ways because you're a different person than I am. Yeah. You have yeah. different likes, different needs. You know, you've lived a different, you know, your previous lives have been different. You know, this life is a flip side to another life that you lived. Okay. And it's all to do with your sole purpose. So someone that's, say, murdered, okay, when they come back in another lifetime, they might be the one doing the murdering. And then they'll have another lifetime where they'll be the family of someone who did the murder or the family of the, the murdered person. So we have to experience every side of everything. Yeah. Do you see what I'm getting at? So in this lifetime, you're going to have a particular experience. It's going to be different to my experience. It's not any greater or any less than my experience. It's just a different experience. Yeah. Okay. So you shouldn't be so hard on yourself. And I know by your energy that you expect a lot from yourself. And that's only because you want to give a lot to other people. It's not a selfish thing with you. It's the giver within you. But you have enough within you to make such a difference in people's lives. If you could only stop questioning yourself. Oh my gosh, I'm going to cry. <laughs> yeah, you struck yeah, a chord. Don't question what they're giving you because they're giving you exactly what you need. Yeah. Trust them. They won't let you down. Ooh. I promise. <laughs> okay, Sandy. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> well, I loved chatting with you and, and listening to all of your stories. I and chat to you forever. Yes. Promise I would... me that if you ever come to Ireland that you would come and visit. I 100% will. Yes. All right, Sandy. Well, thank you again. Take care. You're more than welcome. Goodbye to everybody. I don't know if any of you watch Ozark. I did not get into it actually until a few weeks ago when I had COVID and I couldn't do anything because I was exhausted and like dead to the world. So I just started binge watching it. It's so well written, but it's really, really dark. And there's this awesome character, Ruth, in it. And uh, she says this line that now I repeat all the time, which is, I don't know shit about fuck, Marty. (laughs) And at one of the jobs that I have, everybody there is really into the show too. and, And they say it as well. And so it's really stuck in my head. So I say that multiple times throughout the day, I would definitely say after a conversation like this with Sandy that I don't know shit about fuck. Okay. I really don't. You know, you try 
You really do. Like Sandy said, you try to do your best, but you're never going to know until you're dead. And even then, you might not know the whole enchilada. But we're going to keep trying to chisel away at cryptids, at fairies, at vampires, at aliens, at ghosts. We're going to keep doing it. In fact, we're going to focus more on those subjects than some of the other subjects I've been focusing on in the coming months. We're kind of going to pivot and lean a little bit more into the paranormal. That doesn't mean that if, you know, a great psychic or an incredible meditator or guru or something crosses our path that we won't interview them. It's just we're intending to focus on these mysteries a little bit more because that's what I'm curious about. I want to know more about fairy forts. I want to know more about why the fairies are on that farm that we're investigating. I want to know what it's like to do rituals with modern day vampires. I want to know what it's like to do a paranormal investigation of a house that's haunted from a perspective of kindness and compassion as opposed to feeling scared and being aggressive. I want to learn about the multiple theories about Bigfoot. Do you think he's multidimensional? You know, like I'm really starting to lean toward that one. I want to speak to more people who have had direct alien encounters. So be prepared for more of that on the horizon. Samhain is coming soon. Spooky season is so very close. I did Google what turnips look like versus the traditional pumpkin jack-o'-lantern, and they're 10 times as terrifying. So I'm definitely going to put out a few of those this year and hopefully terrify the trick-or-treaters a little bit in honor of Sandy and, and her ancestors. And Sandy also has a bunch of free webinars on her website. She has a podcast called Life After Life, which you should definitely check out. And she has a Patreon if you want to be involved a little bit more actively in her community. That's S-A-N-D-I-E-B-Y-R-N-E.com. And of course, that'll always be in the show notes per usual. All right. Have a good week, people. Remember, most of your day is just made up stuff. People just made it up, you know, just made it up. So you can make up stuff too. Don't forget. Bye. Thank you for following the Woo with me today. If you love what you heard, please make sure to subscribe to Follow the Woo wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you're feeling particularly stoked about this show, please leave a review and or rating. You can also support this podcast by becoming a member of The Order of Woo, where you'll get community access and loads of extra goodies exclusively on Patreon. That's patreon.com slash follow the woo. The Order of Woo patrons bolster this podcast and community and allow for the creation of more content, products, services, and events over time. Every little bit helps, and I'm so grateful for the patrons who have joined the order already. If you've experienced something magical, mystical, or just downright weird and want to discuss it, or if you're interested in sharing your expertise, or if you want me to research a woo topic with you or for you, please email me at followthewoo at gmail.com. Join me next week for another woo topic. And remember, tell the truth, be nice to each other, and if it feels right, 